Welcome to Hack to Start, a podcast focused on interesting people and the innovative ways they achieve success. I'm Franco Variano. And I'm Tyler Copeland. Each week we speak with a new guest about how they created, hacked, and hustled their way to the top and distill their insights and experiences for you. The path to success isn't always linear. Hack, start, and repeat. This episode is brought to you by Breather. Find beautiful, practical spaces that you can reserve on the go. Ghost, a simple, powerful publishing platform that allows you to share your story with the world. And SoundCloud. Hear the world sounds. This episode features Dominic Cobal, the co-founder of End Product, slow goods made in Canada. So hey Dom, thanks for being on the show tonight. Yeah, thank you guys. So let's kickstart the show by getting to know where you're from, what did you study, and how did your passion for entrepreneurship develop? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, well, I, um, I kind of grew up in uh, Ottawa. I was born in Vietnam and lived in India, then moved to Ottawa at a pretty early age. And then uh, after high school, really didn't know what to do, so I went into physical therapy because I was kind of into sports and math and sciences and then quickly dropped out and then I kind of discovered, tripped out into like graphic design and then web design, and then I finished um, a um, degree in um, graphic design at Algonquin, and then um, just went into, right there, it was really the tech boom at that time, and I got a really nice job, and right away did a lot of good UI, UX work for like huge brands like Xerox and Bear and and like Visa, all these big guys right out of school. So it was, uh, it was a, a kind of like an accidental career path, um, but I uh, found out that I really love design. And as far as the entrepreneurship, um, I think I was always exposed. My dad was always an entrepreneur. Um, he's a, a trained, like class, classically trained artist, but he used to really kind of, like he was like one of those old school hustlers back in Vietnam. Like he would tell me all these stories, how he'd hustle like the South Vietnamese against the North Vietnamese, against the Americans, against the Koreans. No way. Like, just taking dollars from everyone, right? And I used to, like, hear those stories, and I was just like, man, holy shit, man, you're a badass back then, you know, kind of deal. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I think, like, uh, I was bit with the bug pretty early on. Cool. So And so then, I mean, after graphic design, it's, it's pretty awesome that you got, you know, started with some amazing companies right away, but you started working on end product with your wife. So what is that? Yeah, end product is, this is actually the second phase of it. Um, it, it was the company, um, before we talked, uh, uh, started recording, you guys were telling me how you started this podcast just from like you had a, a URL kind of deal. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, had this, I had the same thing when I did my like kind of portfolio website and stuff like that. I, I've never bought like my own like vanity URL, like dominicobaldi.com is available at all times. I will never buy that. So I just had end product and I bought it and I just, I wanted it at first was my portfolio. Then I turned it into kind of like a t-shirt company that I ran for a couple of years um, after working in the industry for about two years. And then, um, then it kind of resurfaced when the, um, the first kind of version of that uh, square iPod Nano with the watch faces came out. That's where I've kind of I pitched <laughs> my first business uh, pitch was to my wife. Just like, okay, we've got this really um, cool uh, uh, device that came out. It looks like they're trying to 
um, take a piece of the real estate that's on the body now. And if it's Apple, they might be really into it. So what do you think? Do you think we should kind of like um, start back up end product as a kind of like a hardware company? And it was actually her idea to take that uh, concept and develop our first uh, product, which was the Dexter. With end product, um, you actually call yourself, I guess, the practitioner of, of the slow goods movement. Uh, so, so what is the slow goods movement and, and how is it different from other creation methods um, for, for makers? Yeah, it's, it's kind of a funny it's a little story because um, like when we started doing this, um, we, we wanted to kind of like really adopt our lifestyle of how we, we want to kind of support local. And when we buy things, we, we kind of try to invest in items. If we're talking about clothing, things are made well that last a bit longer instead of like the fast, uh, fast fashion kind mm-hmm. of mindset and stuff like that. And it, and it spills into like food and things like that. So we try to do it as best as we can. So when we started this business, we said, okay, well, it's just us. It's completely bootstrapped. So we need to kind of define these values mm-hmm. that we can kind of defend on the regular, right? And so that comes from if you're going to do physical product, everyone who's smart goes to offshore because that's where the margins are and everything like that. And said, so, okay, well, let's let's try to not follow that. Let's try to be true to ourselves. And we just, uh, slow goods is like a phrase that I kind of coined and I just took it as a mutation of like the whole slow movement. Mm-hmm. Like the, the most common one you guys know is probably slow foods, right? So it's a pretty clear kind of um, definition. So we say, okay, well, let's bring that into the physical product world, right? Um, so let's try to make these really high-end products, and, but have it have a kind of like a homegrown feel to it and we always said like it's always um, nice to have like the same birthplace for an, an idea and actually um, its form like shares the same birthplace and not have be like all the way in some sort of rural area in China and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really awesome and that, and that was like before I guess you know all these e-commerce stores started popping up doing something very similar. I really like that you guys you know stuck to stuck to values and, and roots for that. Yeah, it's, I've I don't know. If, I don't know if we were on the first wave. Um, a lot of people already did it. It's just I think because of my like branding background, I, I needed to kind of distill it down to like a, a, a fun, cutesy little phrase that people can easily uh, adopt because our our audience is pretty niche, and they already kind of they're already kind of converted, right? And like mm-hmm. they understand all this stuff, and like they understand that they're paying. Our price points are usually higher than anyone else in our in our kind of space and stuff like that. So it was it was a way to kind of consolidate how we do things, why we do things. And also I found out recently that it's a cute little phrase that like people who are not aware, they'll ask us all the time. It's like, what does it mean? You know, kind of deal. And then I, I start to ramble on like I just did in the last like minute or so, you know, and it ends up being a really good conversation that's kind of like a back and forth with new customers. That's super cool. So one of the first um, products that you mentioned earlier that you created for uh, end product was called the Dexter, a, a watch band for the iPod Nano. Um, did you want to walk us through again how you came up with the idea and how did you hack your way through to creating the first initial concept? Um, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's um, the idea actually is completely my wife's idea. So I, I pitched her and I uh, the idea. So after um, uh, Steve Jobs did one of his uh, keynotes. He made that announcement. I was at, we were both working full time. Um, and um, I kind of texted her. I'm like, I need to talk to you tonight, 
right? Because I'm a, I'm a huge watch fan, and um, and I felt when I was listening to this, it's like it was kind of a hokey kind of um, hardware concept for Apple. It was so different from their other versions. So I'm like, okay, well, I, are they hedging their bets? Are they kind of making a play for like some sort of like, uh, I didn't use the term wearables. I think that's more of a common term, but I, I just said, okay, well, maybe they want more, the real estate and the human body kind of deal. So I kind of pitched her with that uh, concept. I'm like, okay, they're right out of the gate. I think like six hours afterward, there was already like three or four uh, watch bands and they consisted of really flimsy either leather that you use the clip on the back hmm. and I kind of pitched her I'm like so what kind of cool shit can we come up that come up with to follow our values to make it really high-end and to kind of like blow away the other competitors kind of deal and and she just said well let's make it a tape deck and I said holy fuck that's a brilliant idea uh, I don't I don't know how do we would ever do that kind of deal but the idea kind of stuck and then um, and then we just kind of decided like on a walk after dinner it's like hey this is what we're going to do we're going to pour all our resources into it and for the next uh, 2 months that's what we did so i think it was october was the keynote and by the end of november we had a prototype Wow, that's super fast. Yeah, it was super fast and aggressive that uh, we had to contract the mechanical engineering of it uh, because it's completely mechanical. If uh, if you ever saw the inside, it's covered with a, a back plate, but inside there, there's 15 parts inside there that um, acts as the open, what we call like the pop and lock mechanism to open it, the latch and things like that. So we had to contract that out. And we, right away, we knew the look and feel that we wanted. Like everyone was going with like... Um, the candy kind of plastic color and we said okay let's try to make it like a tag or an omega watch that has like a, a silver face square face that kind of um, is a really form-fitting for the nano and then give it really sweet beautiful leather straps and things like that so I had sketched it out I, had, I drew out exactly how I wanted like the specs and things like that and they was translated by an industrial design firm and then we got it uh, CNC'd, a prototype uh, done here in Ottawa as well. Um, and then, um, yeah, after that, when we had the prototype, that was kind of like, okay, well, it's kind of well, the earliest hard part is done. How do we manufacture this? How do we get it to a price point that is actually kind of marketable kind of deal? And how do we actually scale this? Because we've never done anything like this. Like I've worked for clients who've done it on the design phase of like the um, the actual marketing of it, but never in the production of any kind of hardware. So we were really flying by the seat of our pan, uh, pants and like learning, going to production runs and looking over with like calipers of measuring things on the microns that I, I had no idea what I was doing kind of deal. Like it, it was, it's really ridiculous and really stupid, I think, like what we were trying to achieve back then. But maybe not knowing helped you guys get there. Yeah, I think so. I think so. We were too stupid to know that it was uh, like a mission impossible. You know, like like a little bit of overconfident, a little bit kind of like really pepped up by like friends and other like uh, startups that we've seen. It's like, hey, these guys uh, um, on Kickstarter, Glyph, they, they are graphic designers. They've done a beautiful kind of like iPhone um, uh, uh, was stand and stuff like that. I'm like, hey, they can do it. We can do this shit, right? What can I do? Exactly. So at the time, there was no Kickstarter in Canada. So how did you guys launch the product? So after you got the, you know, the prototype done and you had you, you had the physical things, 
would you be able to walk us through how you um, launched it? Yeah, so launching was a whole different kind of story. So we had our uh, prototype, a one-off prototype that costs like bonkers, like ate so much of our money of getting that CNC'd. So we had that, but we had no way of kind of being assured that it could be mass manufactured. And in our in our world, we were thinking about 5,000 to 10,000 units a year, which for any kind of manufacturing, that's nothing. Mm-hmm. Like most... Most like major manufacturers that make watches for like Nixon or Nike would I laugh at that kind of deal. They wouldn't even take our emails or phone calls at those kind of small numbers kind of deal. So we had to kind of figure that out. And um, I was actually thinking of doing a Kickstarter using an associate down in Pennsylvania at that time too. But we were scared about that because no one's done that yet at that time. And like subsequently, a lot of people have done it successfully before the Canadian launch. So I was kind of like humming and hawing and, and I at the last minute kind of pulled out of that idea. And so so our launch was, it was um, a little bit tentative because we knew that we couldn't launch before Christmas. There was no chance, but we wanted to be on the market as soon as um, January and February rolled around. And so what we did was um, we, while we were in the track of trying to get manufacturing down, we were getting the marketing and strategy plan. And then, and while that was happening, um, and then another Kickstarter project by the name of TikTok kind of resurfaced, which was kind of like a funny story that I, I was, <laughs> I was at work. I was, I was on the John, right? Like just surfing and, <laughs> and my, my phone just blew up. Right. Uh, like I got like 10 messages from various friends. Like, Hey dude, I didn't know you posted your project on Kickstarter. Right. And I was just like, what are you guys talking about? Right. And they sent me a link and I saw this like 30 by 30 uh, pixel image of a watch that looked kind of similar to what we were trying to achieve. And I saw their tally at, at that point was like 95 grand. I'm like, what's going on here kind of deal. And so it, it became like one of the biggest projects in Kickstarter by one of the best industrial designers at that time. And it was kind of like a holy shit moment for us that we were, we were sitting on this thing. We thought that we were going to kind of blow out all the competitors and then someone came and kind of like ate our lunch, literally, kind of mm-hmm. deal, right? So it was kind of like a holy shit moment that we kind of had to stop. And internally at that time, my brother was helping out on the business side as well. And we we're just like, so what do we do? Do we bail? We just dropped 48K into this program. Do we just stop? Because these guys are obviously going to take everything kind of deal. They're, they won, right? And um, so I... I uh, I, I wouldn't relent. I'm kind of um, naive, pig-headed, and really determined. I just, I just said, oh, no, no, well, I saw the bright side of this. I saw kind of like, so we're nobodies. We're a brand no one knows about. We can't really develop this market. Here's someone who's obviously captured the imaginations of like tens of thousands of people. They're going to create the market. And so we're going to just going to come in and take a slice of their pie as well. Yeah. kind of deal right thinking that thinking that hey that's yeah, no problem man it'll be easy you know they they made the path easier easier for us and so um but i was kind of wrong i was kind of right and kind of wrong because when we started doing our kind of like um grassroots marketing outreach to like the various uh, blogs and websites right we got nothing everyone's just like what are you guys talking about this is exactly the same product 
as like the Kickstarter project. And, and I was kind of foolish and I was just kind of thinking that people would actually look at our mechanism and see how that's completely different mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So it was, it was a hard climb. But when we finally um, got a couple of big industrial design blocks to actually look at our samples, they realized that, yeah, it's totally different. It's a, actually a better product in certain regards. And so that helped us uh, get some traction. We got some pickups from various blogs and did some like interviews and things like that. And then when we got um, that, that interest, we threw t- together a quick little like uh, pre-order site. And then uh, we, we launched that way. So we launched with a, a um, prototype uh, uh, out of like CNC aluminum, some beautiful 3D renderings and like hopes and dreams. That's how we launched our, our little product company. And we took pre-orders without ever knowing how, if we can manufacture this stuff. So we launched our site and we got right away, within an hour, it was kind of crazy, within an hour, I don't know how, we got a pre-order from somebody in Missouri. So I don't know if it was like it was somebody got tweeted out or something like that. And then, and then we thought, okay, maybe this is going to be easy for us. Maybe, maybe, maybe all our concerns and everything and all that kind of like the backlash from like the journalists and stuff like that is, is, uh, is just like a little blip. Maybe the, the market and the people will see it for what it is and adopt it and love it and will ride to like the riches, uh, you know, of like uh, fame and all that stuff. And, and then we got a few more pre-orders, few more, pre- and then it kind of stopped. We had like about 60 pre-orders uh, in, in a month's time, and then it just like fell off, right? Kind of like something newer and shinier in another space or just grab people's imagination. So we were back into the kind of like cold calling people, you know, emailing like all, all the kind of lifestyle blogs, the fashion blogs and all that stuff and had to work double hard. Um, in trying to get pickup again because uh, because we were still kind of like um, unsure that we can actually make a physical product All right so it, the launch itself was was not smooth I would say it was uh, and it was it was kind of um, <laughs> nerve-wracking yeah for sure so how did, how did you guys put together that pre-order was it just like uh, like PayPal or what no, we right away we jumped on Shopify. Okay. Like, sure. Yeah, I have some friends who uh, uh, work there, and right away we we knew that Shopify was like kind of uh, an important component, and in, into the brand story of this is a made in Ottawa pro- product. Mm-hmm. So it was it was an easy kind of hook. So we we just did a we did a really nice custom theme for Shopify, and uh, we end up getting like some notoriety and awards for that that design and stuff like that. So that really helped us as well. So after that that slow kind of initial launch, I mean, how how, how many sales did you guys generate in the first year? And and I mean, what was the story behind uh, behind it afterwards? So we were on a schedule of looking back at like various products for the iPod in general. We thought we had a window of uh, like maybe. 16 to uh, 24 months mm-hmm. of actually being uh, a player in this. If they ever, if they, um, if they ever go beyond that, because they were doing a two-year increment or um, uh, iterations of that um, product line. So we're like, okay, we got two years. Let's let's use it for marketing. Let's try to break even, and so we can jettison and use whatever we can, like as revenue, to like move into the, the other product ideas we had. And so at launch, um, 
we had those, we had about, I think, a hundred and something pre-orders, which was minimal, like nothing, really. Um, and then um, an industrial design blog called Yanko Design. It's a pretty big one out of, um, out of uh, Japan and the UK. Um, they contacted us. They're like, listen, we're, we're doing a Kickstarter competitor. We want your project to be one of the first that we feature kind of deal. And we we're like, all right, that's great. Uh, <laughs> pre-sale is pre-sale, and, and they're the only one at that time was a worldwide. So you can take um, pre-orders from anybody, and they. But they also had the component of kind of Indiegogo is like, um, uh, you don't need necessarily to meet, meet your target to collect the funds. So we're like, mm -hmm. okay, we're in. Like, yep. we're we're dying. We're we got no revenue coming in. We're like, yes to be attached to a blog that has like a readership of something ridiculous like 2 million a month kind of deal. We're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's an easy, easy thing. So we ended up doing a crowd um, uh, funding round that ended up picking up only 15K because uh, they had the same problems we had that no one, no one wanted to kind of like move away from Kickstarter. They're like, okay, Kickstarter is the big gorilla. You guys are... Um, just upstart and so they didn't have the traffic they wanted the coverage and stuff like that but at the end of it the first year we ended up shipping I think it was like 520 units and that's from our target of 5,000 so we did 10% of our target which was like super disappointing and, uh, and we ended up um, overall like I would assemble each of these units in our basement so it's like for hours and hours, just like uh, doing this, it's like uh, maybe one unit, it'll take me maybe like down to like 12 minutes to assemble everything, box it up kind of deal. And I end up, I think, assembling close to like maybe 800 because we sent a bunch out as freebies mm -hmm. for like promotions and things like that because we couldn't do any kind of paid advertising. But we got hooked up with uh, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. Do you guys know Gary? Yeah. And so he, um, we, he helped us out and try to get like uh, some celebrity endorsements and stuff like that. So we shipped them out and we end up um, sending a bunch out to like um, uh, festivals like Sundance and stuff like that. You know, those um, swag bags that they yeah, give exactly. away and stuff yeah. like that. So we did a, a bunch of that stuff there. And, uh, and then after that first year, we were, we were in the plans of like I had kind of like mapped out um, a clock face um, design or concept just just if they ever rolled out version 2 there's all these rumors of a camera in the back and all this stuff and maybe they'll open up the OS and stuff like that so we had that in plan but we also had other product ideas and are like okay we knew like this is this is our way to attach our names to Apple and getting, getting our uh, company name out there and getting some kind of like international coverage and stuff like that but in year two is uh, when we kind of kind of decided to phase out that product because it looked like they weren't going to um, uh, uh, kind of iterate on that actual clock face uh, design. And now after last was the last month, we know why, mm -hmm. right? Because yeah. uh, they're, they're like, okay, well, I guess there's an audience for this. Let's take this entire pie from everybody kind of deal. Exactly. So today, end products sells not only watch bands, but also houseware and urban wood products. Uh, which one is your favorite and, and what's next for you guys? Right now, our 
clear runaway bestsellers like these. We do these laser etch uh, maps of neighborhoods, so we could do it anywhere around the world. Um, and so it was kind of like a uh, test idea locally, doing like Canadian cities and like New York and in uh, uh, American cities nearby and stuff like that. That that sells really well. Um, and then we do also housewares. And I, I also uh, always wanted to get into like furniture design and things like that. But like um, I always wanted like kind of like with this uh, Dexter product, I always want like a software hook onto it. So right now I'm trying to develop um, houseware that has a little bit of, I guess, smartness built into it and things like that. So working on like um, for next year, uh, a kind of work desk concept that has a little bit of intelligence uh, built into it. Um, so that's, that's, uh, that's what I'm kind of, kind of getting my head wrapped around. And because we, we, we really took it on the chin, I think, for the first product idea, very ambitious, right? I don't think, to be com completely frank, I don't think we met any of our kind of like markers or indicators for success on that product. The fact that we got it to the public and stuff like that, sure, it was a, a really good achievement, but we didn't hit any of our kind of like um, our measures and stuff like that. And so we went and backtracked and did more kind of like more traditional product lifestyle um, mm -hmm. um, that, that, and also some concepts that people are already familiar with, like art related, like these urban wood things and then houseware stuff that, yeah, you know, they're just like, they're unique variations of things that already exist kind of deal. Um, but, uh, I think we want to go for bigger and bolder things moving forward. That desk concept sounds super cool. You're going to have to send me some early visuals for it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's, it's like, we're, I've, we're definitely Mac heads, right? Like working in design, everything is like um, surrounded by Apple's kind of culture of design. So we're we're um, we're going to head back into that kind of um, milieu with with um, the devices that are involved in like the work area and and how they're accessible to you and how they distract you as well. So we're trying to kind of alleviate both things. Oh, that's super cool. So what's the one thing that you've always wanted to build but just couldn't? Um, I, I always think that, um, one of the th reasons I went into kind of like physical design was I was interested in prosthetics, like limbs and things like that, just like, uh, um, from people who either lose it from illness or from like, um, battlefields and things like that. So, mm -hmm. uh, that's always been in the back of my mind that I'm always kind of interested in uh, reading up on the technologies that are involved in that, who, what, what the MIT lab is doing and stuff like that. So I always um, think that that's going to be one of those like crowning achievements is that somehow with no background in that other than two years as a dropout, that I'm going to end up doing some sort of prosthetic concept that's never, viable. Yeah. You never know Elon's building rockets. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Like I totally, I totally believe in that concept of like um, – Getting having an idea and and then surrounding yourself with like experts in their own field to make your idea happen. So I was like, Elon Musk is definitely like an inspiration of like, man, doing shit nonstop, like really like disrupting everything. 
Absolutely. So on on that topic of kind of design centric products, um, you know, we didn't really touch on it earlier, but what's led you to create your own products, uh, and and what do you think of this kind of growing maker movement that's really started to take, uh, I guess, kind of like a snowball effect over the past couple of years? Yeah, this maker movement is is uh, is kind of cool. Like it was always kind of like dormant and like relegated to more like the traditional workshop dudes or like. Um, um, or in like basements and like sewing rooms and things like that. I think the the mechanism that's really helped to kind of blossom are um, technologies like um, Shopify, like like the, the internet for sure, right? That's without um, uh, without being like needed to be said. The internet's been huge, but like actual like outfits like Shopify and like the communities like Etsy, where mm-hmm. You can bring your little concept, your little needle point, you know, like whatever that has like uh, uh, some vulgar phrase and stuff like that. And then you can sell it to someone in Iceland, you know, someone in like um, Scandinavia or in like South America and things like that. The the access to customers, I think, is one of the things that's really helped uh, that movement blossom because people are always tinkering, right? Always making. I don't know if you guys like when you were kids, you'll always like take apart toys and things like that like all any any toy that i had was always in pieces yeah. within days kind of deal like people always love to tinker and find out how reverse engineer and how find out how things uh, are made um and they also have their own kind of like unique take on things like uh you know like i can make a better widget you know kind of deal but now um it's not feasible to make that as a hobby unless you can sell it so i think like any kind of like e-com or communities like Kickstarter is huge as well recently, right? Like people are building businesses overnight and within like a month, you're getting like VC phone calls. You're getting, you're selling like massive units. You're setting up manufacturing in like Taiwan. It's, it's been incredible. Like I love following these like profiles and listening to podcasts about these kind of like mom and pop shops or guys out of uh, college, dropouts or whatever, that just started industries, literally, kind of deal. It's mm-hmm. it's freaky, actually, you know, it's like... Yeah, and so what are your thoughts on the future? Like, where's it headed? Do you have any any thoughts on that? I don't know. I don't know. I, like, it's definitely, like, a trend. So it's got, like, a long curve to it, right? Like, um, I think it's only going to grow, right? Like, with other companies like Airbnb and stuff like that, it's just, like... The, the like direct to consumer channel is just keeps on widening, right? I don't I don't see how it could like um, either plateau or have a backlash anytime soon, right? Like it's it's like everyone who's like successful, and I and I and I look towards a lot of those other successful companies that are like as inspiration. It's just like they're all doing really really good work. Mm-hmm. Like, like um, I listened to that one of your shows um, episodes about the, it was a Van Hawks. Yeah, this guy's out of Toronto, right? Yeah, incredible, incredible stuff, right? Like, um, it's crazy because like before I found out you guys interviewed them, we we have a bike related accessory that I was going to hit them up when I saw their Kickstarter last year, right? And so and so it's one of these things that's like uh, we've reached out to other companies and we've done collaborations. The same thing that it allows us access right like mm-hmm. you can just email people and say, i have this idea what do you think about it let's collaborate on it and that's worked out a few times really well for us and um yeah like guys like the van hawks guys just like i listened to that like they had no idea what they're doing they figured it out and they're just smashing it 
<laughs> like it's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they've got a really cool product, and I think that, like you, like you said, you know, it's these uh, these people who have no experience that you know they tackle these these audiences and these distribution platforms that that allow them to get their product out into the hands of people and you know bring their own special spin to it. Yeah. What do you guys think about that whole movement of like? I don't know, like, it feels like it's like instant entrepreneur in some regard, right? Like, yeah, I think it's probably, you know, much harder than most people <laughs> even even lend, lend thought to in terms of all the logistics and stuff like that. I mean, I personally, I would have no idea where to even start that kind of manufacturing process. Yeah, oh, no, 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 I, yeah, it's definitely hard. Any kind of form of entrepreneur is hard, but I feel like, I don't know, I feel like people have a lot more confidence in tackling the unknown, the abyss now. That it's like if you're making like any kind of hardware is 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 almost impossible. If you have software, all equally impossible, right? Like it's not nothing. It, none of the stages that we've ever hit. I look back and say, yeah, oh, yeah, that's pretty easy. You know, it's like every stage that we've hit has just been like this is the new most difficult stage right now that we're in kind of deal. And right now we're in a part of our stage that is in the first time we're. We're, we're seeing the light of like uh, losing all our kind of um, all the deficit that we incurred from the first Dexter product and that we by next year we might be profitable right and at that point it's kind of like that's a holy shit moment it's like okay what do we do we're scaling we're talking to like the BDC for like a market expansion loans and things like that and I was just like oh yeah this stuff is hard too when you're doing well you know kind of deal so it's not I don't I don't think it's easy but I feel like there's some, maybe, maybe it's the media that like we get access to podcasts and websites and all this stuff that it gives people confidence. That's, it's kind of like how, uh, how I mentioned this. Like I saw the other graphic designers become industrial designers, so to speak. It's like, Hey, it gave me that one kind of like inkling of confidence. Like, Hey, I think I can do that. I'm not a total idiot. <laughs> what can I do? So you're able to share with us a funny story or an unbelievable story about yourself or the company um, that few people know. I don't know if this is be interesting, but like uh, I mentioned, how I I, I um, got uh, introduced to Gary Vaynerchuk. Yep. And uh, this is this is kind of like a hustle slash dick move. I think I was working full time um, for a design and advertising agency, right? And, uh, but I was working uh, also full-time in the after hours on this uh, business. And um, I was, uh, it was uh, emailing, texting Gary, but I just wanted, I wanted to uh, meet up with him, right? To uh, kind of like solidify the relationship kind of deal. And like he was super like good with his time, always replying and all this stuff. But I'm like, I need, I need a face-to-face with this dude kind of deal. And so I'd like, uh, I'd look in his calendar, his speaking engagements, right? And I, and I saw an event and I'm like, hey, Potentially, I could go to that event and uh, and uh, and talk to him. Um, and because uh, I, we had no money at the time, right? This was like a design event, and so I uh, I kind of booked him. I'm like, all right, so Gary, I'm going to be at. Uh, hey, what a coincidence, Gary! I'm going to be at this event too. Do you have like 15 minutes to talk? He's like, yeah, I'm speaking at this event. What a coincidence! I'm like, yeah, dude, what a coincidence, right? And so he, we booked it, and then I, as soon as I got off like uh, texting with him, I walked into my boss's office. And said, hey, there's a design conference in Vegas happening next week. I think I should probably go to that kind of deal, right? Nice. And they're pretty cool, and they're like, yeah, yeah, it's true. You haven't been to a conference in a while. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Just book it, and uh, we'll take care of everything. So I was just like, and it, it felt awful, 
but I end up getting a meeting with him, like in between his speaking rounds or whatever. And it was one of those things that I was just like, um, I had to do it. Yeah. It was one of these things that I, I had to take advantage, right? Kind of deal. So I've never told anyone that story. Uh oh. I don't know. It's, it's out now. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully your old boss won't be listening. <laughs> funny that uh, I remember that. But yeah, I've, like, my wife knows about that. My brother, who was helping our company at that time, knew about that kind of like bait and switch. It's pretty epic, man. It's just whatever you got to do to get it done. <laughs> So, uh, so what what devices do you use the most right now, and what uh, apps, tools, or books uh, are you uh, are you super obsessed with? You know, it's fu- it's funny. Um, so uh, my nighttime is when I do any kind of like um, computer related stuff, like uh, off like the tools and like the um, laser etcher and stuff like that. So I always have either a podcast running or like Netflix um, documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm 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 like I used to be crazy into like tech blogs and startup blogs and all that stuff. And then for the last year, I've been heavy into like uh, music and comedy documentaries and how it kind of relates to how we grind of like it's pretty much next to like sports, music, and like entertainment. It's impossible industries, right? But I hear all these stories of guys grinding for like 10 years on the circuit, on the comedy circuit or whatever, on the music, like playing bars and stuff like that. And it really helps me get inspired and take the lumps of our uh, business that I find that it gives a different point of view. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm heavy into that. Like I've been reading and um, reading books about like these old school uh, business moguls from like Hollywood and stuff like that. And how they were just like, I saw he, this guy sold suits. Then he ended up selling cars. Then he ended up uh, managing like Frank Sinatra, like just like, making industries right like, that are completely separate from what I'm doing but kind of the same kind of like old school real hustling of like just doing whatever you can to get ahead and not taking kind of like any kind of um, way out of not being scared of doing something you don't know so that, that's the kind of like media that I'm really consuming as and as far as like apps and stuff like that man I'm gonna sound like some high school girl because our business requires us to be so involved in social media. Like our number one, like one of our best channels for sales is Instagram. Yeah, so for I'm sure. on Instagram like crazy. That that stuff used to be such a like a huge distraction. But now it's kind of like on the agenda of the day. It's like, hey, it's eleven AM. You need to post something because that's a high traffic time, you know, kind of deal. And then do another one in the afternoon and stuff like that and try to like be interesting bringing content there and and building our audience so yeah the social network stuff is like they're kind of like a bane but also like a boom for us too because like facebook and all that stuff is like really how we we build our audience and build our brand story um and then then um the other thing is like i've tried every kind of project management app out there like in like base camp asana and all tyler loves asana yeah, oh, like, man, I absolutely love it. <laughs> I tried all that stuff, right? Like every small and every large one. And um, uh, I'm just like constantly <laughs> trying to like perfect the combo of mm-hmm. which like scheduling, project management app. And like, but I haven't been able to find it. Tyler, have you, are you like Asana and that's it? Or? No, no, I just converted over to Asana and I, I, I don't agree with the product. I find it very hard to use. <laughs> We're being sarcastic about that. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh yeah, because I stopped using it as well. So I was Basecamp for the longest time. Yeah. 
And then everyone was talking about Asana. I was just like, I'm going to travel over to it. And then I used it for about two months. And then I just eased off it. And, mm-hmm. and then I tried um, a bunch of other smaller apps, um, web apps that have really shitty like mobile hooks onto it. Um, so, so I'm still on the look. The one that I've been bouncing um, back and forth from is uh, Wonderlist. It's mainly just a to-do app, but uh, not really project management, but it does a trick in some cases. That's hilarious. That's one of my main go-to stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I have, like, within one list, like, six sub-lists as well. <laughs> like, yeah. like, it seems to be working the best as well for me. Yeah, I think I'm going to bring it back up again um, and see how she goes. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Like, for, like, bigger programs and stuff like that, maybe a more bloated project management tool but yeah you're right like wonderless has been pretty good for us cool all right well thanks a lot for your time tonight dom it was amazing to have you on thanks guys it was fun well that's about it for this episode of hack to start you can find all the important links beneath the show be sure to follow us on twitter at hack to start and sign up for our newsletter to know about all the latest episodes behind the scenes content and more thanks for listening and see you next time